Welcome to English 115, Introduction to Literature. My name is Dr. Reginald Watson. Uh, what I wanted to do in this first audio is just give you a brief overview of what is in your syllabus. So while I'm talking, uh, make sure that you are looking at the syllabus, which was sent uh, a few days ago. First and foremost, what is this course all about? Well, if you take a look at the overview of this course, you'll note that in this particular uh, class, you will have to read the assigned works that are listed in your calendar, okay? So make sure that as you're looking at your syllabus that you note the readings for each week, okay? So make sure that for week one, you have read the assigned readings um, and make sure that once you have done that, that you uh, make sure that you go to the forms which can be accessed via the collaboration link on Genzibar. Okay, so for week one, first night of class, which technically is Tuesday night, but as I've already uh, emailed you, this course is going to be completely online, asynchronous, okay? But on that note, I still want you to try and make time for future Zoom meetings that will be scheduled more than likely on Tuesday nights. There will probably be a total of three, no more than four uh, scheduled Zoom meetings, uh, which will more than likely take place starting around 6.30 and ending around 7.30, hopefully no later than eight o'clock. So as you already know, this course was originally scheduled for uh, in-class participation. So all I'm asking is that you uh, set aside a few days out of this eight-week period to have Zoom meetings between 6.30 and 8 o'clock, okay? And I will, of course, notify you well ahead of time when I'm thinking about uh, setting up a Zoom meeting, and I will send you an invitation link, okay? So, we get back to what this course is all about. You will be required to read the assigned works, which are listed either by author or page numbers throughout your calendar, okay? So, for week one, make sure that you have read the introduction in your textbook, the anthology, pages 1 through 23, chapters 1 and 2, and uh, review chapter 32 as well, okay? And then for week 2, you should start reading chapter 3, the works within that chapter, okay? So let me uh, warn you. You need to do your readings. I don't realistically expect 
all of you to read every single work, but I ask that you read a number of the works so that you can fully understand the future assignments that are coming your way, okay? So, for example, in the introduction, pages 1 through 23, you need to pay close attention to what the editors say about critical thinking. And I want you to remember that, okay? Critical thinking is very important. Uh, for some of you who haven't had a literature course in, in a while, I just want to let you know that in this course, the short stories that I have chosen should be of some interest to you, okay? I have tried to uh, choose these works listed on your syllabus um, based on interest that you might have in these works, okay? So um, I haven't chosen boring works. And once you have read the works, you need to employ what we call critical thinking, meaning you don't just read the work to understand the plot understand what it's about, but in order to write the assigned response papers and ultimately the bigger paper, the critical analysis paper, you need to think uh, beneath the surface. You need to read between the lines, okay? So when you write your papers, I don't want you to just write me a summary of what the story was about, okay? What you need to do is read the work but also be able to critically analyze that chosen work. Now, let me make this clear. I'm not assigning particular works for you to write your papers on. You may choose any of the listed works that are on your syllabus. If you want to choose a work outside of the assigned readings, let me know ahead of time, as long as it's coming from the anthology because there's a lot of works in that textbook, okay? So once you have chosen the short story, and keep in mind, I want you to choose only short stories. Do not choose poetry to do any of your papers on, okay? I want you to choose one of the short stories, preferably from the syllabus, okay? And then you employ critical thinking. And another way of saying what that is, is when you read the work and decide to analyze that work, you're going to think outside the box, okay? You're not going to just summarize the work. You're going to think about certain elements within that work uh, that can be talked about, that can be discussed. Uh, and on that note, what you need to do is, in addition to looking at your syllabus, you need to look at the literary terms list that I emailed to you around about the same time I sent the syllabus. Okay, why do I want you to look at the literary terms list? Because that will give you a foundation, an understanding of exactly what you need to talk about when you write these response papers, when you do the short analysis paper, okay? Take a look at the literary terms list. Note that I have certain terms like uh, figurative language, okay? Uh, 
Um, I have irony, foreshadowing, okay? Symbolism, imagery, okay? Take a look at those definitions. Um, because when you do a critical analysis using critical thinking of a particular work, okay, you're either going to do what we call a new critical approach, and that's on your literary terms list, or you're going to do a new historicist approach, okay? Now, most of you are going to probably feel more comfortable doing what we call a new criticism or new critical approach. What does that mean? That means that your analysis is going to focus on the work alone, only the work, nothing else. You're going to look at uh, the types of things that I have listed in the literary terms list. Uh, when you do an analysis of, say, a short story, like the one that is assigned for this class, um, Story of an Hour by Kate Chopin, which I think all of you are going to enjoy because it's a short read, but it also has a lot in it that you can discuss in a paper, okay? And what can you discuss in a typical short story, particularly the ones that I've chosen? You can talk about the characters. Are the characters well-developed, okay? The author's writing style, did he or she do a good job at bringing the characters to life? Did the author employ what we call figurative language, which means the use of metaphors or similes or personification? And again, if you don't remember what those words mean, take a look at the literary terms list. A metaphor uh, is a comparison of two unlike things. It's a creative use of language. A simile is just like a metaphor with the only difference being that the author uses like or as, okay? So when you talk about those types of things, you're talking about the author's use of figurative language, okay? That's the general term for metaphors, the use of metaphors or similes or personification, analogies, okay? So make sure that you review the definitions of those terms. So when you look at a Kate Chopin and her work, Story of an Hour, you'll definitely be able to talk about her creative use of language. Not so much does she use figurative language, but she does employ what we call naturalism. It's a type of imagery associated with nature, okay? And if you take a look at the top of page 39, you'll note that there is a description of nature by Chopin, okay? And as she is describing nature outside of Mrs. Mallard's window, we see that the descriptions are positive, blue skies, birds chirping, okay? Now, why does an author like Chopin go into so much detail sometimes in describing things like that. Well, sometimes an author is doing something creatively to help build on the uh, image of the character or characters in the work. So naturalism is another term that's on that literary terms list, and I want you to look at it because 
and a lot of the works assigned to this class. There are a lot of examples of naturalism. And if you take a look at page 39 and the description of nature outside of Mrs. Mallard's window, I want you to note that if you uh, chose that to talk about in a paper, you could easily discuss how the descriptions of nature, the positive descriptions of nature, are put there by Kate Chopin to illustrate what is going on inside of Mrs. Mallard's heart and head, okay? And I don't, at this point, want to give away what the story is about because uh, you haven't even started reading it yet, and I don't want to give away the surprise ending. Um, so in a, my second audio podcast, I'll definitely talk in more detail about that work, but I just wanted to use that particular short story as an example of some of the things you could talk about in the papers, which I'm going to describe in a minute. So when you do a new critical approach in your analysis papers, you're going to look at those types of things. You're going to look at things like irony, foreshadowing, imagery, if there's any imagery. And I just talked about how there is natural imagery or naturalism on page 39 in A Story of an Hour. You can talk about um, the writing style. Uh, is it humorous? Um, is it uh, moody uh, type of writing? Uh, there's what we call gothic writing. Some of the stories that I've chosen, like The Black Cat, A Rose for Emily, those are works that fit under what we call gothicism, G-O-T-H-I-C-I-S-M, or the gothic genre, meaning that uh, writers like Poe and even William Faulkner sometimes wrote works that uh, had supernatural elements in them, horrific details and descriptions. In Poe's work, you always have uh, bad weather and big castles, and against the backdrop, you, you have ghostly images or supernatural images, okay? That uh, type of work is what we call gothic, okay? So when you do an analysis of a work, if it's written by Edgar Allan Poe or William Faulkner, you could talk about uh, the elements of gothicism in the work. You could talk about the descriptive uh, details that are horrific, okay? Uh, so when you do a new critical approach, just remember, you're looking at the work and the work itself, nothing more, okay? And when you do a paper based on that approach, you're going to analyze, okay, things like the terms that I just mentioned. Um, the writing style, the irony, if there's any. Uh, in Kate Chopin's work, there's what we call foreshadowing, uh, which uh, is an indication in a work of things uh, to come, okay? There's early evidence of things that will come later in the work. That's what we call foreshadowing. So if you take a look, a close look at page 38, 
in a story of an hour. You'll see a reference to Mrs. Mallard having heart trouble. And without giving away how the story ends, I just want to give you a hint about how that description of Mrs. Mallard is very, very key to what happens later on in work. That's what we call foreshadowing, okay? So when you discuss symbolism, foreshadowing, irony is when things happen contrary to what is expected, and there's uh, examples of irony in a story of an hour, which I'm not going to uh, talk about now. When you talk about figurative language, when you talk about symbolism or imagery, those are the types of things you can discuss in a paper based on what we call new criticism. A new historical approach is when, in addition to looking at the work itself, you're also taking into consideration how the fiction, the fictional work, is a reflection of history, the history that surrounds the work, reflective of the, the history in which the work was written, okay? Um, I'll give you an example. You could talk about how, uh, say, Kate Chopin's work, story of an hour. You could talk about how her descriptions of fictional events in that work, okay, because Mrs. Mallard's uh, husband uh, is killed in a train accident, okay? That's the news that she gets on page 38, okay? Well, people who have analyzed her work have noted the historical connections between that description and what actually happened in Kate Chopin's own life. Okay, so when there's evidence in a work uh, of an historical fact, um, a real-life event, okay, in either the author's life or in the period in which the work was written, when you talk about those types of things. You're doing what we call a new historical approach. So you're taking into consideration not just the work itself, but the history that surrounds the work. Now, some of you may want to approach a work through the new historical prism. If you choose to do that approach, let me know ahead of time, and I can give you uh, some hints and some pointers about how you can write an effective paper based on new historicism. Uh, just suffice it to say, you would have to, of course, uh, consult biographical information on the author if you wanted to make connections between the author's fictional piece and the author's own life. Or, say, a brief uh, overview of the historical period uh, that the work was written in. So if you wanted to make connections between the work and the history that surrounds the work or the author's background, you definitely need to review some biographical or historical materials, okay? I love that approach. And in your uh, upcoming papers, you could employ both a new critical and a new historical approach, particularly in the bigger paper, 
okay? I'll leave that up to you. But most of you, I can feel confident in saying, are going to probably feel more comfortable doing a totally new critical approach. And that is when you do your papers based on what you see in the chosen work, okay? So, hopefully you will read and review and study the literary terms list, okay? Uh, as you're thinking about writing your papers, okay? So what is this course about? It's about doing critical readings of the chosen works, works that I have chosen from the 19th and 20th centuries, okay? And I've chosen works that I think you will enjoy, okay? So in a nutshell, the overview, I just summed it up. Um, your writing will be an important part of this course. You will be required to write brief reading responses, uh, and there will be one major paper. Now, how many reading responses are required? If you take a look at the grade breakdown, the assigned uh, papers, you'll see that there's four of them, okay, with the first one being due September 7th. And I want you to note, on every due date, 10 p.m., will be the cutoff time. And all papers, all assignments should be emailed directly to me. Okay, and my email addresses are on the syllabus, okay? So make sure that you note that there will be four response papers, okay? Each paper should be at least two pages in length, okay? Now, do you have to include what we call literary criticism for the short papers? No. What do I mean by that? Well, if you read down to the short analysis paper, which is the longest of your papers, that's five pages at least, uh, with the sixth page being the works cited page, you'll note that I want you to have at least two literary criticisms backing up what you were trying to say about the work, okay? Now, if you read what I have sent out a few days ago, the descriptions of what you are supposed to do for the short analysis paper and the response papers, you'll understand what I'm talking about. So, there are four short papers, each one two pages apiece, okay? Now, what are you supposed to do for each of the response papers? Okay, you're supposed to choose any of the assigned works on the syllabus or any work out of the assigned anthology. Once you have chosen that work, okay, what you'll do in the first paragraph of the papers is briefly summarize what the work is about. So a summary of the work should be only in the first paragraph. Okay? And then what you'll do is briefly describe the author's background. And as you read through the assigned anthology, please note that the editors do a good job at giving you biographical, uh, brief bios, biographical material on the authors of each work. 
So you can either utilize that or look up some bio information uh, through the library portal. I'll leave that up to you. But in the first paragraph, the introduction for all the papers, you need to briefly summarize the work, briefly say something about the author uh, and his or her background and achievements. You can briefly mention their publications, the, the other publications that they've written. And then the last sentence will be most important. Last sentence in your, the in your introduction is your thesis statement, which is a statement of purpose. In other words, you go from general to specific. Your thesis statement, which should only be one sentence long, should specifically mention the things that you are going to discuss, the things that you liked about the chosen work. I'll give you an example uh, based on Kate Chopin, whom I've already talked about. And you may use I. You may use what we call the first person narrative. Here's a thesis example that you might want to remember. I enjoyed Kate Chopin's story of an hour because of the foreshadowing, comma, the naturalism, comma, and the irony, period. Okay? Now, how many points do I have in that thesis statement? I have three. Okay? So what am I going to do in the body of the paper? I'm going to devote a paragraph to each of those points, okay? In order of the points in the thesis statement, I'm going to talk about foreshadowing in the first paragraph of the body of the paper, okay? And within that paragraph, of course, I'm going to bring in a quoted example from the story that exemplifies foreshadowing. And then, in my own words, I'm going to talk about the significance of the foreshadowing, okay? So, for each point in your thesis statement, you should have at least one developed paragraph. So, three points in your thesis statement, that means you're going to have at least three paragraphs in the body of the paper. And within those paragraphs, you're going to bring in quoted examples to help exemplify the points that you're talking about. So in the body of my paper, based on that thesis statement, I'm going to have a paragraph devoted to foreshadowing. And in that paragraph, I'm going to bring in a quoted example from the work that exemplifies foreshadowing. Okay? And then I'm going to use my own words, my own analysis, to talk about the importance of foreshadowing. What is it? How does it fit into understanding the work or appreciating the work? Okay, what was my second point? Naturalism. Okay, and I told you uh, there's an example of that in Kate Chopin's work on page 39, page, top of page 39. And so what am I going to do in this second paragraph of the body of my paper? I'm going to devote that entire paragraph to a discussion of naturalism or the natural imagery and why it is important to the work. And I told you that description of nature used by Chopin exemplifies what's going on inside of her main character, Mrs. Mallard. Okay? And then the third paragraph in the body of the paper will talk about the irony. 
I-R-O-N-Y, which is on your literary terms list. And again, I'm going to bring in a quote from the work that exemplifies irony, and then I'm going to discuss in detail the importance of irony in that work, okay? So, in a nutshell, what are you doing for each of the papers, uh, the short ones and the big one? You're going to have a strong introduction, and keep this in mind. All paragraphs should be at least five or more sentences in length. I do not like short paragraphs. So if your paragraphs are looking a little long, don't worry about it. I just don't want them too short. So in the introduction is where you'll say something about the author, say something about the work, summarize the work, and then that last sentence is the most important. Because the thesis statement, okay, breaks down the points that you are going to talk about in the body of the paper. So the body of the paper, right after the introduction, supports what you said in your thesis statement. So if you have two points in your thesis, you're going to have two paragraphs in the body of the paper. And within those paragraphs, you're going to go into detail discussing those points. And then after you have finished discussing each point in your thesis statement, in the body of the paper, you end the paper with a strong concluding paragraph. And in the very beginning of the conclusion, you just restate your thesis statement. You can just repeat the original thesis statement. And then for the rest of that paragraph, this is what I want you to do, and I want you to write this down. What you need to do is talk about what you gained from doing this critical analysis of that particular short story. What did you learn? That's number one. Number two, are there any personal connections that you can make to the work itself? Um, is there a personal experience of your own that you can uh, reflect on in terms of the work and how that work reminded you of something you went through in your own life. Uh, you can also make a connection between the work and what is going on now in the world, okay? I'll give you an example, and without telling you how the work ends. In Kate Chopin's story of an hour, it's very, very clear that the main character, Mrs. Mallard, was abused in some form or fashion, okay? And as you read the work, beginning on page 38, you'll see what I'm talking about. Because as the work develops, it is quite clear that instead of feeling sad upon hearing about the death of her husband, Mrs. Mallard is starting to feel happy. So there's hints that her husband was not the best. And keep in mind that the work takes place around the late 19th century, okay? where women did not have all of their rights. And in a lot of cases, women did have to go through a lot of physical and mental abuse. So there's general themes that you can also talk about in a paper. A theme is a central idea. That's also on your literary terms list. A theme is a central idea in a work. But you can have more than one theme. So if you were going to choose the story of an hour to do your paper on, you could definitely talk about the theme of abuse. 
Uh, there's also the theme of freedom in the work. So how do we know that this woman was abused? We know because she has a very strange reaction that we don't expect after she hears about the death of her husband. She starts to feel free. In fact, that word is repeated numerous times in the description of Mrs. Malley. Okay? So, in a concluding paragraph, okay, after I restate my thesis statement based on that work, I could talk about, number one, how I learned a lot more about how women were treated in the late 19th century and say some other things in general about what I gained from doing the analysis, okay? Number two, I could easily make connections in my concluding paragraph to the abuse that is still going on now with women and even men in certain relationships. So I could briefly talk about mental or physical abuse, and God forbid, if you yourself have gone through a similar situation as Mrs. Mallard, you can, if you feel comfortable, talk about that in the final paragraph. Okay? So the concluding paragraph is supposed to leave your readers with something to think about. So you restate the thesis statement, talk about what you gained from doing the analysis, and then make personal connections, if any between uh, yourself and the work itself, okay? So, in a nutshell, how are your papers going to be organized? The short papers, the response papers, there's four of them. Each one should be at least two pages in length. Uh, the third page, and there will have to be a third page, meaning you have to attach a works cited page, okay? What does that mean? That means that even though you don't have to bring in literary criticisms for the short papers, you still need to bring in direct quotes from the works that are in your anthology. And I told you why. You need to exemplify from the story itself uh, each point that you are making okay, in your thesis statement. So I just gave you an example of my thesis statement, okay? I'm going to bring in a quote from Story of an Hour to exemplify foreshadowing. I'm going to bring in a quote that exemplifies naturalism. And then, I'm, of course, I'm going to bring in a quoted example uh, that is an example of irony. So after you directly quote from the chosen short story. You have to document that work in some way. Okay, so within the paper itself, after every direct quote, you need to utilize what we call parenthetical documentation. Some of you may be familiar with that, but if you're not, I'm going to send everybody a link, an MLA link uh, referred to as the Purdue Owl link. And that's a very good site that discusses in detail the rules of what we call MLA. In the English department, 
That is the handbook that we use when it comes down to writing research papers. Okay, so for every quote that you utilize, you need to parenthetically document where that quote came from. And what I've done already is send you, a few days ago, I've sent you an example of what your work cited page would look like uh, for these short papers, okay? So make sure you review that example, okay? Because even though for the, the short papers you don't have to bring in uh, critical uh, articles, you still need to document the quotes that you're going to utilize uh, for the examples in your thesis statement, okay? So after a direct quote, remember this, you have to, in the parentheses, put the last name of the author and the page number from where the quote came from. Then close the parentheses, put the period at the end. The basic rules are as follows. If you say according to whoever the author is, in my case, Kate Chopin, if I said according to Kate Chopin, okay, and then after that statement, I use a direct quote from her work, and it was on page 39, okay, what would I do after the direct quote? And remember, around direct quotes, you need to have quotation marks. So you utilize quotation marks around every copied line or lines that you utilize from a work. So after you have finished quoting from the work, what do you put in the parentheses? If you mention the author's name like I just did, do you have to repeat the author's name again in the parentheses? No. Okay. All I would put is the number 39 in the parentheses. Okay. Now, if I didn't mention Kate Chopin's work or whoever the author is before the direct quote, then you have to put author's last name, no comma, page number. Okay? And I'll talk about this more in detail um, as the session goes on, but I just wanted to kind of give you a brief overview of the technicalities of how to set up these papers. So I'm going to send you a link a Purdue OWL link to your MLA 8th edition. It gives nice visual examples of how to set up a typical paper. Okay, Make sure you review those rules. Also, there will be a library session, and I've already got it scheduled, and it will be on a Tuesday night about midway of this session and it will probably start around 6.15 and I'll send you an invitation link for that session and it's very important. Terrence Martin is going to be the librarian who will go over MLA and the research tools that are available in your library because for the larger paper, the short analysis paper, you are going to have to include what we call literary criticisms, at least two, okay? Now, what does that mean? You'll have to look up 
either academic journals, peer-reviewed journals, or books. In other words, you're finding scholars, legitimate scholars, who agree with at least one of your thesis points, and then you're going to incorporate direct quotes from the two different critics somewhere in the body of your paper. You're going to bring in uh, quotations from those critics that help support whatever your thesis statement is trying to uh, analyze. So going back to my thesis statement for Kate Chopin, if I was doing a larger paper based on that thesis statement, and remember my points, I had three of them, foreshadowing, naturalism, irony. So say I'm going to develop my five-page paper on that thesis statement. What would I need to do? I would need to go and research some academic journal articles and try to find scholars who are basically talking about either foreshadowing, naturalism, or irony. And what I'm going to do is try to find quotations from those two scholars that help back up one or more of my thesis statement points. Okay, so what is the major difference between the short papers and the, the one big paper? There's not much of a difference. Uh, the papers are going to be organized in the way I just described. Strong introduction. A body of the paper that supports each of the points in your thesis statement. And then, of course, the concluding paragraph. With the big paper, you have to include literary criticisms, at least two, okay? And it's a little bit longer than the response papers. But all in all, all the papers are going to be organized in the way that I just described. The short analysis paper is just a little longer, and you need to include direct quotes from two legitimate scholars who basically agree with one or more of the points that you're trying to argue in your thesis statement, okay? So in a nutshell, I just described what you need to do for the papers, okay? And keep in mind, as you're looking at your syllabus, the very first paper is due September 7th, first response paper. Second response paper is September the 21st. Third response paper, September the 28th. And the fourth and last response paper is due October 11th. And I'll reiterate, all papers should be emailed directly to me. Okay, There is no... Uh, place on the Genzaboss site for you to upload assignments. All assignments outside of the forums will be emailed to me. Okay, so if you take a look at the grading breakdown, I just talked about the response papers. There's four of them. Under that, I want you to note the eight discussion boards or forums. And I just told you, you can access the forums through the collaboration link, okay? And after you click on the collaboration link, you'll see a section entitled Forms. I want you to make sure that you 
respond to Form 1, which is due Wednesday, August the 25th by 10 p.m. All of your forms, all eight of them, have due dates. So make sure that you complete these forms weekly and on time because in most cases I'm going to uh, determine whether you're present or not present based on your completion of those forms. Okay, So keep in mind, the very first form, Form 1, is due Wednesday, August the 25th. Okay, And then subsequently, what you need to do is make sure that you complete the next seven forms. And after you've done that, you will receive 100 at the end of this course. And the last major assignment, of course, is the short analysis paper. And while I was discussing the response papers, I also talked about the short analysis paper. I told you that all the papers, the short ones and, of course, the big one, are organized the very same way. The short analysis paper is different in that it's longer because you need to give me at least five complete pages, okay, with the sixth page being your works cited page, okay? And, of course, you need to include legitimate quotes from scholars who have published in what we call academic journals and or books. Sometimes you can um, find uh, a book that has different chapters in it and with different critics. So you can choose either an academic book or journal to find two criticisms that basically support at least one of the points that you're trying to make in the short analysis paper. Okay? So, again, this course is all about reading. Reading works written by famous authors, and I've chosen these works uh, based on things that I think you'll enjoy, things that you can learn from. And remember, writing these papers is not really that hard if you pay close attention to what you have read and study the literary terms list because you will base your papers on some or most of the points that I mentioned in that literary terms list. So when you do what we call critical thinking after reading a work, you're not just talking about what the work was about. You're talking about the utilization of literary components like foreshadowing, uh, the themes in the work, the use of figurative language. Did the author utilize a lot of metaphors or similes, personification? Okay. Did the author have characters that were well-developed, meaning round characters? Or were they flat? Were they underdeveloped? The author's writing style, was it humorous? Was it moody? Was it a gothic-type work like The Black Cat by Edgar Allan Poe that had a lot of horrific elements in it? You could talk about that in a paper. You could talk about foreshadowing. You could talk about irony, symbolism, 
okay? Imagery. Sometimes in a work, uh, the characters' names are symbolic. Going back to a story of an hour by Kate Chopin, I want you to note the name of the main character, Mrs. Mallard. And when you see that name, you think of a duck. You think about a bird of flight. Okay, why would Kate Chopin name one of her characters Mallard? Well, as you read the work, you begin to see why. Because, just like a bird, okay, Mrs. Mallard wants to fly. Fly and become free from the oppressive nature of her relationship. And upon hearing about the death of her husband, she starts to spread her wings mentally. She starts to think about her future without him. She starts to really, really think about freedom. So is that the reason why Kate Chopin named that character, Mrs. Mallard, making a reference to a bird of flight? Possibly, okay? And an analysis, you could definitely make that connection, okay? So there's numerous things you can talk about in these short papers and, of course, the big paper. I would recommend that for the short papers, you have at least a two-point thesis statement, okay? Based on either a new critical approach, and remember what that means, a new critical approach is when you focus on the work and the work alone, okay? Or you could do it based on a new historical approach, which is a little bit harder, a little more difficult, but you can do it if you choose. A new historical approach is when you uh, talk about connections between the fictional work and history itself. You could talk about uh, how the work is a reflection of maybe the author's own background. Okay, so keep that in mind as you're uh, reading the works that are assigned for week one. Okay, and what I'm going to do is schedule more of these um, audio podcasts and send them to you. I'm going to set up Zoom meetings where we can discuss uh, these works in more detail. So throughout the eight weeks, look for periodic audio podcast, uh, look to uh, be available for scheduled Zoom meetings where as a class we can talk about elements of the works that I have chosen for you to read. Okay, So try to make yourselves available for the upcoming Zoom meetings and of course the library session. Okay. Okay, at this point, I think that's enough said. Um, there will be another audio podcast sent soon, probably next week. But in the meantime, what I want you to do for the very first week of class, and officially this class starts uh, on Tuesday, the 24th, what I want you to do is just make sure you read all of the assignments that I have listed in week one. Okay, And what I'm going to probably do in week two is set up a brief Zoom meeting for all of you to ask me questions, 
uh, and of course for more detailed discussion of these assignments. Okay? But for right now, you need to focus on the readings, focus on completing the first form by Wednesday, 10 p.m., August the 25th. Okay? Make sure you get that done because week one attendance is going to be based on the completion of form one. Okay? So for right now, that's what you need to stay focused on. Okay? If there are any questions or concerns, you can reach me via email or by phone. Okay? Make sure that if you have any questions, you avail yourself of the opportunity to ask me. Okay? But for right now, just make sure you get the reading done. Okay? I'll sign off for now. Have a good day. Welcome to English 115, Introduction to Literature. My name is Dr. Reginald Watson. Uh, what I wanted to do in this first audio is just give you a brief overview of what is in your syllabus. So while I'm talking, uh, make sure that you are looking at the syllabus, which was sent uh, a few days ago. First and foremost, what is this course all about? Well, if you take a look at the overview of this course, you'll note that in this particular uh, class, you will have to read the assigned works that are listed in your calendar, okay? So make sure that as you're looking at your syllabus that you note the readings for each week, okay? So make sure that for week one, you have read the assigned readings um, and make sure that once you have done that, that you uh, make sure that you go to the forms which can be accessed via the collaboration link on Genzibar. Okay, so for week one, first night of class, which technically is Tuesday night, but as I've already uh, emailed you, this course is going to be completely online, asynchronous, okay? But on that note, I still want you to try and make time for future Zoom meetings that will be scheduled more than likely on Tuesday nights. There will probably be a total of three, no more than four, uh, scheduled Zoom meetings, uh, which will more than likely take place starting around 6.30 and ending around 7.30, hopefully no later than 8 o'clock. So as you already know, this course was originally scheduled for uh, in-class participation. So all I'm asking is that you uh, set aside a few days out of this eight-week period to have Zoom meetings between 6.30 and 8 o'clock, okay? 
and I will, of course, notify you well ahead of time when I'm thinking about uh, setting up a Zoom meeting, and I will send you an invitation link, okay? So, we get back to what this course is all about. You will be required to read the assigned works, which are listed either by author or page numbers throughout your calendar. Okay, so for week one, make sure that you have read the introduction in your textbook, the anthology, pages 1 through 23, chapters 1 and 2, and uh, review chapter 32 as well, okay? And then for week two, you should start reading chapter three, the works within that chapter. Okay, so let me uh, warn you. You need to do your readings. I don't realistically expect all of you to read every single work, but I ask that you read a number of the works so that you can fully understand the future assignments that are coming your way, okay? So, for example, in the introduction, pages 1 through 23, you need to pay close attention to what the editors say about critical thinking. And I want you to remember that, okay? Critical thinking is very important. Uh, for some of you who haven't had a literature course in, in a while, I just want to let you know that in this course, the short stories that I have chosen should be of some interest to you, okay? I have tried to uh, choose these works listed on your syllabus um, based on interest that you might have in these works, okay? So, um, I haven't chosen boring works. And once you have read the works, you need to employ what we call critical thinking. Meaning, you don't just read the work to understand the plot, understand what it's about, but in order to write the assigned response papers and ultimately the bigger paper, the critical analysis paper, you need to think uh, beneath the surface. You need to read between the lines. Okay, so when you write your papers, I don't want you to just write me a summary of what the story was about. Okay, what you need to do is read the work, but also be able to critically analyze that chosen work. Now, let me make this clear I'm not assigning particular works for you to write your papers on. You may choose any of the listed works that are on your syllabus. If you want to choose a work outside of the assigned readings, let me know ahead of time, as long as it's coming from the anthology, because there's a lot of works in that textbook, okay? So once you have chosen the short story, and keep in mind, I want you to choose only short stories. Do not choose poetry to do any of your papers on, okay? I want you to choose one of the short stories, preferably from the syllabus, okay? 
And then you employ critical thinking. And another way of saying what that is, is when you read the work and decide to analyze that work, you're going to think outside the box, okay? You're not going to just summarize the work. You're going to think about certain elements within that work uh, that can be talked about, that can be discussed. Uh, and on that note, what you need to do is, in addition to looking at your syllabus, you need to look at the literary terms list that I emailed to you around about the same time I sent the syllabus. Okay, why do I want you to look at the literary terms list? Because that will give you a foundation, an understanding of exactly what you need to talk about when you write these response papers, when you do the short analysis paper, okay? Take a look at the literary terms list. Note that I have certain terms like uh, figurative language, okay? Um, I have irony, foreshadowing, okay? Symbolism, imagery, okay? Take a look at those definitions um, because when you do a critical analysis using critical thinking of a particular work, okay, you're either going to do what we call a new critical approach, and that's on your literary terms list, or you're going to do a new historicist approach, okay? Now, most of you are going to probably feel more comfortable doing what we call a new criticism or new critical approach. What does that mean? That means that your analysis is going to focus on the work alone, only the work, nothing else. You're going to look at uh, the types of things that I have listed in the literary terms list. Uh, when you do an analysis of, say, a short story, like the one that is assigned for this class, um, Story of an Hour by Kate Chopin, which I think all of you are going to enjoy because it's a short read, but it also has a lot in it that you can discuss in a paper, okay? And what can you discuss in a typical short story, particularly the ones that I've chosen? You can talk about the characters. Are the characters well-developed, okay? The author's writing style, did he or she do a good job at bringing the characters to life. Did the author employ what we call figurative language, which means the use of metaphors or similes or personification? And again, if you don't remember what those words mean, take a look at the literary terms list. A metaphor uh, is a comparison of two unlike things. It's a creative use of language. A simile is just like a metaphor with the only difference being that the author uses like or as, okay? So when you talk about those types of things, you're talking about the author's use of figurative language, okay? That's the general term for metaphors, the use of metaphors or similes or personification, analogies, okay? So make sure that you review the definitions of those terms. So when you look at uh, Kate Chopin and her work, Story of an Hour, 
you'll definitely be able to talk about her creative use of language. Not so much does she use figurative language, but she does employ what we call naturalism. It's a type of imagery associated with nature, okay? And if you take a look at the top of page 39, you'll note that there is a description of nature by Chopin, okay? And as she is describing nature outside of Mrs. Mallard's window, we see that the descriptions are positive, blue skies, birds chirping, okay? Now, why does an author like Chopin go into so much detail sometimes in describing things like that? Well, sometimes an author is doing something creatively to help build on the uh, image of the character or characters in the work. So, naturalism is another term that's on that literary terms list and I want you to look at it because in a lot of the works assigned to this class there are a lot of examples of naturalism and if you take a look at page 39 and the description of nature outside of Mrs. Mallard's window I want you to note that if you uh, chose that to talk about in a paper you could easily discuss how the descriptions of nature, the positive descriptions of nature, are put there by Kate Chopin to illustrate what is going on inside of Mrs. Mallard's heart and head, okay? And I don't, at this point, want to give away what the story is about because uh, you haven't even started reading it yet, and I don't want to give away the surprise ending. Um, so in a, my second audio podcast, I'll definitely talk in more detail about that work, but I just wanted to use that particular short story as an example of some of the things you could talk about in the papers, which I'm going to describe in a minute. So when you do a new critical approach in your analysis papers, you're going to look at those types of things. You're going to look at things like irony, foreshadowing, imagery, if there's any imagery. And I just talked about how there is natural imagery or naturalism on page 39 in A Story of an Hour. You can talk about um, the writing style. Uh, is it humorous? Um, is it uh, moody? Uh, type of writing. Uh, there's what we call gothic writing. Some of the stories that I've chosen, like The Black Cat, A Rose for Emily, those are works that fit under what we call gothicism. G-O-T-H-I-C-I-S-M or the gothic genre. Meaning that uh, writers like Poe, and even William Faulkner sometimes wrote works that uh, had supernatural elements in them, horrific details and descriptions. In Poe's work, you always have uh, bad weather and big castles, and against the backdrop, you, you have ghostly images or supernatural images, okay? That uh, type of work is what we call gothic, 
okay? So when you do an analysis of a work, if it's written by Edgar Allan Poe or William Faulkner, you could talk about uh, the elements of Gothicism in the work. You could talk about the descriptive uh, details that are horrific, okay? Uh, so when you do a new critical approach, just remember, you're looking at the work and the work itself, nothing more, okay? And when you do a paper based on that approach, you're going to analyze, okay, things like the terms that I just mentioned, uh, the writing style, the irony, if there's any. Uh, in Kate Chopin's work, there's what we call foreshadowing, uh, which... Uh, is an indication in a work of things uh, to come, okay? There's early evidence of things that will come later in the work. That's what we call foreshadowing. So if you take a look, a close look at page 38 in A Story of an Hour, you'll see a reference to Mrs. Mallard having heart trouble. And without giving away how the story ends, I just want to give you a hint about how that description of Mrs. Mallard is very, very key to what happens later on in the work. That's what we call foreshadowing, okay? So when you discuss symbolism, foreshadowing, irony is when things happen contrary to what is expected. And there's uh, examples of irony in A Story of an Hour, which I'm not going to uh, talk about now. When you talk about figurative language, when you talk about symbolism or imagery, those are the types of things you can discuss in a paper based on what we call new criticism. A new historical approach is when, in addition to looking at the work itself, you're also taking into consideration how the fiction, the fictional work, is a reflection of history, the history that surrounds the work, reflective of the, the history in which the work was written, okay? Um, I'll give you an example. You could talk about how uh, say, Kate Chopin's work, Story of an Hour. You could talk about how her descriptions of fictional events in that work, okay? Because Mrs. Mallard's uh, husband uh, is killed in a train accident, okay? That's the news that she gets on page 38, okay? Well, people who have analyzed her work have noted the historical connections between that description and what actually happened in Kate Chopin's own life. Okay, so when there's evidence in a work uh, of an historical fact, uh, a real-life event, okay, in either the author's life or in the period in which the work was written, when you talk about those types of things, you're doing what we call a new historical approach. So you're taking into consideration not just the work itself, but the history that surrounds the work. Now, some of you may want to approach 
a work through the new historical prism. If you choose to do that approach, let me know ahead of time and I can give you uh, some hints and some pointers about how you can write an effective paper based on new historicism. Uh, just suffice it to say, you would have to, of course, uh, consult biographical information on the author if you wanted to make connections between the author's fictional piece and the author's own life. Or, say, a brief uh, overview of the historical period uh, that the work was written in. So if you wanted to make connections between the work and the history that surrounds the work or the author's background, you definitely need to review some biographical or historical materials. Okay? I love that approach. And in your uh, upcoming papers, you could employ both a new critical and a new historical approach, particularly in the bigger paper. Okay? I'll leave that up to you. But most of you, I can feel confident in saying, are going to probably feel more comfortable doing a totally new critical approach. And that is when you do your papers based on what you see in the chosen work. Okay? So, hopefully you will read and review and study the literary terms list. Okay? Uh, as you're thinking about writing your papers. Okay? So what is this course about? It's about doing critical readings of the chosen works, works that I have chosen from the 19th and 20th centuries, okay? And I've chosen works that I think you will enjoy, okay? So in a nutshell, the overview, I just summed it up. Um, your writing will be an important part of this course. You will be required to write brief reading responses, uh, and there will be one major paper. Now, how many reading responses are required? If you take a look at the grade breakdown, the assigned uh, papers, you'll see that there's four of them, okay, with the first one being due September 7th. And I want you to note, on every due date, 10 p.m., will be the cutoff time. And all papers, all assignments should be emailed directly to me. Okay, and my email addresses are on the syllabus, okay? So make sure that you note that there will be four response papers, okay? Each paper should be at least two pages in length, okay? Now, do you have to include what we call literary criticism for the short papers? No. What do I mean by that? Well, if you read down to the short analysis paper, which is the longest of your papers, that's five pages at least, uh, with the sixth page being the works cited page, you'll note that I want you to have at least two literary criticisms backing up what you were trying to say about the work, okay? Now, if you read what I have sent out a few days ago, 
the descriptions of what you are supposed to do for the short analysis paper and the response papers, you'll understand what I'm talking about. So there are four short papers, each one two pages apiece, okay? Now, what are you supposed to do for each of the response papers, okay? You're supposed to choose any of the assigned works on the syllabus or any work out of the assigned anthology. Once you have chosen that work, okay, what you'll do in the first paragraph of the papers is briefly summarize what the work is about. So a summary of the work should be only in the first paragraph, okay? And then what you'll do is briefly describe the author's background. And as you read through the assigned anthology, please note that the editors do a good job at giving you biographical, uh, brief bios, biographical material on the authors of each work. So you can either utilize that or look up some bio information uh, through the library portal. I'll leave that up to you. But in the first paragraph, the introduction for all the papers, you need to briefly summarize the work, briefly say something about the author uh, and his or her background and achievements. You can briefly mention their publications, the, the other publications that they've written. And then the last sentence will be most important. Last sentence in your, th in your introduction is your thesis statement, which is a statement of purpose. In other words, you go from general to specific. Your thesis statement, which should only be one sentence long, should specifically mention the things that you are going to discuss, the things that you liked about the chosen work. I'll give you an example. Uh, based on Kate Chopin, whom I've already talked about. And you may use I. You may use what we call the first-person narrative. Here's a thesis example that you might want to remember. I enjoyed Kate Chopin's Story of an Hour because of the foreshadowing, comma, the naturalism, comma, and the irony, period. Okay? Now, how many points do I have in that thesis statement? I have three, okay? So what am I going to do in the body of the paper? I'm going to devote a paragraph to each of those points, okay? In order of the points in the thesis statement, I'm going to talk about foreshadowing in the first paragraph of the body of the paper, okay? And within that paragraph, of course, I'm going to bring in a quoted example from the story that exemplifies foreshadowing. And then, in my own words, I'm going to talk about the significance of the foreshadowing. Okay? So, for each point in your thesis statement, you should have at least one developed paragraph. So... Three points in your thesis statement, that means you're going to have at least three paragraphs in the body of the paper. And within those paragraphs, you're going to bring in quoted examples to help exemplify the points that you're talking about. So in the body of my paper, based on that thesis statement, 
I'm going to have a paragraph devoted to foreshadowing. And in that paragraph, I'm going to bring in a quoted example from the work that exemplifies foreshadowing. Okay, And then I'm going to use my own words, my own analysis to talk about the importance of foreshadowing. What is it? How does it fit into understanding the work or appreciating the work? Okay, what was my second point? Naturalism. Okay, and I told you uh, there's an example of that in Kate Chopin's work on page 39, top of page 39. And so what am I going to do in this second paragraph of the body of my paper? I'm going to devote that entire paragraph to a discussion of naturalism or the natural imagery and why it is important to the work. And I told you that description of nature used by Chopin exemplifies what's going on inside of her main character, Mrs. Mallard. Okay? And then the third paragraph in the body of the paper will talk about the irony. I-R-O-N-Y, which is on your literary terms list. And again, I'm going to bring in a quote from the work that exemplifies irony, and then I'm going to discuss in detail the importance of irony in that work, okay? So, in a nutshell, what are you doing for each of the papers, uh, the short ones and the big one? You're going to have a strong introduction, and keep this in mind, all paragraphs, should be at least five or more sentences in length. I do not like short paragraphs. So if your paragraphs are looking a little long, don't worry about it. I just don't want them too short. So in the introduction is where you'll say something about the author, say something about the work, summarize the work, and then that last sentence is the most important because the thesis statement, okay, breaks down the points that you are going to talk about in the body of the paper. So the body of the paper, right after the introduction, supports what you said in your thesis statement. So if you have two points in your thesis, you're going to have two paragraphs in the body of the paper. And within those paragraphs, you're going to go into detail discussing those points. And then after you have finished discussing each point in your thesis statement, in the body of the paper, you end the paper with a strong concluding paragraph. And in the very beginning of the conclusion, you just restate your thesis statement. You can just repeat the original thesis statement. Then for the rest of that paragraph, this is what I want you to do, and I want you to write this down. What you need to do is talk about what you gained from doing this critical analysis of that particular short story. What did you learn? That's number one. Number two, are there any personal connections that you can make to the work itself? Um, Is there a personal experience of your own that you can uh, reflect on in terms of the work and how that work reminded you of something you went through in your own life. Uh, You can also make a connection between the work and what is going on now in the world, okay? I'll give you an example, and without telling you how the work ends. In Kate Chopin's Story of an Hour, it's very, very clear that the main character, Mrs. Mallard, was abused in some form or fashion, okay? And as you read the work, beginning on page 38, 
you'll see what I'm talking about. Because as the work develops, it is quite clear that instead of feeling sad upon hearing about the death of her husband, Mrs. Mallard is starting to feel happy. So there's hints that her husband was not the best. And keep in mind that the work takes place around the late 19th century, okay, where women did not have all of their rights. And in a lot of cases, women did have to go through a lot of physical and mental abuse. So there's general themes that you can also talk about in a paper. A theme is a central idea. That's also on your literary terms list. A theme is a central idea in a work, but you can have more than one theme. So if you were going to choose the story of an hour to do your paper on, you could definitely talk about the theme of abuse. Well, there's also the theme of freedom in the work. So how do we know that this woman was abused? We know because she has a very strange reaction that we don't expect after she hears about the death of her husband. She starts to feel free. In fact, that word is repeated numerous times in the description of Mrs. Mallet. Okay? So in a concluding paragraph, okay, after I restate my thesis statement based on that work, I could talk about, number one, how I learned a lot more about how women were treated in the late 19th century and say some other things in general about what I gained from doing the analysis. Okay, Number two, I could easily make connections in my concluding paragraph to the abuse that is still going on now with women and even men in certain relationships. So I could briefly talk about mental or physical abuse. And God forbid, if you yourself have gone through a similar situation as Mrs. Mallard, you can, if you feel comfortable, talk about that in the final paragraph. Okay, So the concluding paragraph is supposed to leave your readers with something to think about. So you restate the thesis statement, talk about what you gained from doing the analysis, and then make personal connections, if any, between uh, yourself and the work itself, okay? So, in a nutshell, how are your papers going to be organized? The short papers, the response papers, there's four of them. Each one should be at least two pages in length. Uh, the third page, and there will have to be a third page, meaning you have to attach a works cited page, okay? What does that mean? That means that even though you don't have to bring in literary criticisms for the short papers, you still need to bring in direct quotes from the works that are in your anthology. And I told you why. You need to exemplify from the story itself uh, each point that you are making okay, in your thesis statement. So I just gave you an example of my thesis statement, okay? 
I'm going to bring in a quote from Story of an Hour to exemplify foreshadowing. I'm going to bring in a quote that exemplifies naturalism. And then, I'm, of course, I'm going to bring in a quoted example uh, that is an example of irony. So after you directly quote from the chosen short story, you have to document that work in some way. Okay, so within the paper itself, after every direct quote, you need to utilize what we call parenthetical documentation. Some of you may be familiar with that. But if you're not, I'm going to send everybody a link, an MLA link, uh, referred to as the Purdue Owl link. And that's a very good site that discusses in detail the rules of what we call MLA. In the English department, that is the handbook that we use when it comes down to writing research papers. Okay, so for every quote that you utilize, you need to parenthetically document where that quote came from. And what I've done already is send you, a few days ago, I've sent you an example of what your works cited page would look like uh, for these short papers. Okay, so make sure you review that example. Okay, because even though for the, the short papers you don't have to bring in uh, critical uh, articles, you still need to document the quotes that you're going to utilize uh, for the examples in your thesis statement. Okay, So after a direct quote, remember this, you have to, in the parentheses, Put the last name of the author and the page number from where the quote came from. Then close the parentheses, put the period at the end. The basic rules are as follows. If you say according to whoever the author is, in my case, Kate Chopin. If I said according to Kate Chopin, okay, and then after that statement, I use a direct quote from her work, and it was on page 39, okay? What would I do after the direct quote? And remember, around direct quotes, you need to have quotation marks. So you utilize quotation marks around every copied line or lines that you utilize from a work. So after you have finished quoting from the work, what do you put in the parentheses? If you mention the author's name like I just did, do you have to repeat the author's name again in the parentheses? No. Okay. All I would put is the number 39 in the parentheses. Okay. Now, if I didn't mention Kate Chopin's work or whoever the author is before the direct quote, then you have to put author's last name, no comma, page number okay and I'll talk about this more in detail um, as the session goes on but I just wanted to kind of give you a brief overview of the technicalities of how to set up these papers 
So I'm going to send you a link, a Purdue Owl link, to your MLA 8th edition. It gives nice visual examples of how to set up a typical paper. Okay, Make sure you review those rules. Also, there will be a library session, and I've already got it scheduled, and it will be on a Tuesday night, about midway of this session, and it will probably start around 6.15, and I'll send you an invitation link for that session. And it's very important. Terrence Martin is going to be the librarian who will go over MLA and the research tools that are available in your library because for the larger paper, the short analysis paper, you are going to have to include what we call literary criticisms, at least two, okay? Now, what does that mean? You'll have to look up either academic journals, peer-reviewed journals, or books. In other words, you're finding scholars, legitimate scholars, who agree with at least one of your thesis points, and then you're going to incorporate direct quotes from the two different critics somewhere in the body of your paper. You're going to bring in uh, quotations from those critics that help support whatever your thesis statement is trying to uh, analyze. So going back to my thesis statement for Kate Chopin, if I was doing a larger paper based on that thesis statement, and remember my points, I had three of them, foreshadowing, naturalism, irony. So say I'm going to develop my five-page paper on that thesis statement. What would I need to do? I would need to go and research some academic journal articles and try to find scholars who are basically talking about either foreshadowing, naturalism, or irony. And what I'm going to do is try to find quotations from those two scholars that help back up one or more of my thesis statement points. Okay, so what is the major difference between the short papers and the, the one big paper? There's not much of a difference. Uh, the papers are going to be organized in the way I just described. Strong introduction. A body of the paper that supports each of the points in your thesis statement. And then, of course, the concluding paragraph. With the big paper, you have to include literary criticisms, at least two, okay? And it's a little bit longer than the response papers. But all in all, all the papers are going to be organized in the way that I just described. The short analysis paper is just a little longer, and you need to include direct quotes from two legitimate scholars who basically agree with one or more of the points that you're trying to argue in your thesis statement, okay? So in a nutshell, I just described what you need to do for the papers, okay? And keep in mind, as you're looking at your syllabus, the very first paper is due 
September 7th, first response paper. Second response paper is September the 21st. Third response paper, September the 28th. And the fourth and last response papers due October 11th. And I'll reiterate, all papers should be emailed directly to me. Okay? There is no uh, place on the Genzaboss site for you to upload assignments. All assignments outside of the forums will be emailed to me. Okay? So, if you take a look at the grading breakdown, I just talked about the response papers. There's four of them. Under that, I want you to note the eight discussion boards or forums. And I just told you, you can access the forums through the collaboration link. Okay? And after you click on the collaboration link, you'll see a section entitled Forms. I want you to make sure that you respond to Form 1, which is due Wednesday, August the 25th by 10 p.m. All of your forms, all eight of them, have due dates. So make sure that you complete these forms weekly and on time, because in most cases, I'm going to uh, determine whether you're present or not present based on your completion of those forms, okay? So keep in mind, the very first form, Form 1, is due Wednesday, August the 25th, okay? And then subsequently, what you need to do is make sure that you complete the next seven forms. And after you've done that, you will receive 100 at the end of this course. And the last major assignment, of course, is the short analysis paper. And while I was discussing the response papers, I also talked about the short analysis paper. I told you that all the papers, the short ones and, of course, the big one, are organized the very same way. A short analysis paper is different in that it's longer because you need to give me at least five complete pages, okay, with the sixth page being your works cited page, okay? And, of course, you need to include legitimate quotes from scholars who have published in what we call academic journals and or books. Sometimes you can... Um, find uh, a book that has different chapters in it and with different critics. So you can choose either an academic book or journal to find two criticisms that basically support at least one of the points that you're trying to make in the short analysis paper. Okay? So, again... This course is all about reading. Reading works written by famous authors, and I've chosen these works uh, based on things that I think you'll enjoy, things that you can learn from. And remember, writing these papers is not really that hard if you pay close attention to what you have read and study the literary terms list because you will base your papers on 
some or most of the points that I mentioned in that literary terms list. So when you do what we call critical thinking after reading a work, you're not just talking about what the work was about. You're talking about the utilization of literary components like foreshadowing, uh, the themes in the work, the use of figurative language. Did the author utilize a lot of metaphors or similes, personification? Okay. Did the author have characters that were well-developed, meaning round characters? Or were they flat? Were they underdeveloped? The author's writing style, was it humorous? Was it moody? Was it a gothic-type work like The Black Cat by Edgar Allan Poe that had a lot of horrific elements in it? You could talk about that in a paper. You could talk about foreshadowing. You could talk about irony symbolism, okay, imagery. Sometimes in a work, uh, the characters' names are symbolic. Going back to a story of an hour by Kate Chopin, I want you to note the name of the main character, Mrs. Mallard. And when you see that name, you think of a duck. You think about a bird of flight, okay? Why would Kate Chopin name one of her characters Mallard. Well, as you read the work, you begin to see why. Because, just like a bird, okay, Mrs. Mallard wants to fly, fly and become free from the oppressive nature of her relationship. And upon hearing about the death of her husband, she starts to spread her wings mentally. She starts to think about her future without him. She starts to really, really think about freedom. So is that the reason why Kate Chopin named that character, Mrs. Mallard, making a reference to a bird of flight? Possibly. Okay? And an analysis, you could definitely make that connection. Okay? So... There's numerous things you can talk about in these short papers and, of course, the big paper. I would recommend that for the short papers, you have at least a two-point thesis statement, okay? Based on either a new critical approach, and remember what that means. A new critical approach is when you focus on the work and the work alone, okay? Or you could do it based on a new historical approach, which is a little bit harder, a little more difficult, but you can do it if you choose. A new historical approach is when you uh, talk about connections between the fictional work and history itself. You could talk about uh, how the work is a reflection of maybe the author's own background. Okay? So, keep that in mind as you're uh, reading the works that are assigned for week one, okay? And what I'm going to do is schedule more of these um, audio podcasts and send them to you. Uh, I'm going to set up Zoom meetings where we can discuss uh, these works in more detail. So throughout the eight weeks, look for periodic audio podcast. 
look to uh, be available for scheduled Zoom meetings where as a class we can talk about elements of the works that I have chosen for you to read. Okay, So try to make yourselves available for the upcoming Zoom meetings and of course the library session. Okay. Okay, at this point, I think that's enough said. Um, there will be another audio podcast sent soon, probably next week. But in the meantime, what I want you to do for the very first week of class, and officially this class starts uh, on Tuesday, the 24th, what I want you to do is just make sure you read all of the assignments that I have listed in week one. Okay, And what I'm going to probably do in week two is set up a brief Zoom meeting for all of you to ask me questions um, and, of course, for more detailed discussion of these assignments. Okay? But for right now, you need to focus on the readings, focus on completing the first form by Wednesday, 10 p.m., August the 25th, okay? Make sure you get that done because week one attendance is going to be based on the completion of form one, okay? So for right now, that's what you need to stay focused on, okay? If there are any questions or concerns, you can reach me via email or by phone, okay? Make sure that if you have any questions, you avail yourself of the opportunity to ask me, okay? But for right now, just make sure you get the reading done, okay? I'll sign off for now. Have a good day.